Welcome to Season 7 of Maroon and Bold. Today we're going to talk about the Central Michigan Chippewa football team taking on Albany in the season opener. We'll give you everything to expect there. And we'll also dabble into what other sports are starting up soon. We're back. We are back. Finally, school started. Maroon and Bold is here, and we're publishing newspapers, and you know, football games are being played, and it's happening. I'm Evan Petzold, sports editor, alongside with me, Austin Chaston, assistant sports editor. And Austin, how does it feel just to be back on campus and to, to be doing all this again? You know, the same things that we were doing last year, but now it's kind of like there's there's a new life to it and a, a new bringing. I mean, what does that mean for you? It There is a new life, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's the perfect way to describe it. I mean, last year... The football team was a little bit down. I would say significantly down. The worst it's been in its program history. But there's something new this year. There's something energetic. We've heard a lot of the, about that in practice. And there's a new energy with this team. And it seems to kind of brought it brought that same energy to campus. What do you think? No, I agree. And and I guess though, my my question though was, how do you feel? How are you feeling about being back at school? Oh. I'm feeling great. We we went through and published a great newspaper last night, and I'm I'm really excited about um, that, and I'm really excited about this this football season, this school year. It's gonna be fantastic. And sports reporting with Steve Kuhn, right? We got that class together. Oh yeah, that that that's gonna be fun this year. It'll be it'll be a great time. But no, back to football. Yeah, so the Chippewas take on Albany in the season opener. It's August 29th, a Thursday, and um, and yeah, I mean. There's a lot of high expectations, right? But you look at last year and you think, how is that possible? How can you how can you have high expectations after you you went one and eleven, right? And and I guess that makes sense to a point, but you have to remember there's a brand new coach coming in here with you know national ties. I know you followed him really closely at Florida since um, your mom was a Gator, right? She is. That, is. She, yep. Yeah. So your mom went to school there, correct? Yep. And 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 so you know Florida, so you kind of know the situation there, and and you were able to follow McElwain for you know his tenure. Um, in, in Gainesville. And, and I guess really, what is he bringing to the football team, right? We talked about it um, a little bit already. You kind of mentioned it, right? A new energy, a new life. But I mean, what, what are the expectations from the standpoint of, okay, you bring in a nationally recognized coach and he's supposed to really turn this around. Is it even possible year one? I mean, is that something that fans can can really see? Well, I, th- I think so. Um, and I'm using this comparison kind of sparingly almost you look at the dumpster fire that Will Muschamp left at Florida and what McIlwain was able to do, that was pretty much Muschamp's roster in 2015, mm-hmm. and McIlwain brought that team to the SEC championship and then did it again in 2016 with more of his guys. Um, so I, it, it's, not, it's not far-fetched to think that CMU could win more than one game. I know at, at Mac Media Day um, – Michael Alford, the athletic director here, was jo- was joking with some of us reporters saying, Coach Mack and I have agreed that he's going to double the win total from last year. And I'm like, well, that's not, not very hard to do. And I, I think, obviously, they're going to do that and, you know, and, and beyond. And I, I think discipline, you wrote a great story on that, Evan. Um, discipline is going to come into into play here. Because, and I don't want to harp on last year too much, but last year you saw some different things in practice. Um, it was garbage. I'll, I'll cut you off. It was garbage. Okay. I mean, the way that you, you danced around to music and you were 
um, you know, you weren't entirely focused and there was a coach that was allowing that and that, you know, e- even despite the fact that you're, you know, you, they, they lost what, seven, eight games and they're still dancing and then you lose 11 and it's like, oh man, well, we just weren't disciplined enough. And it's like, well, yeah, no, duh, of course. no, duh. That, like, look how you were, look how you were conducting yourself. You practice like you play. Right. I mean, that's that's literally something that everybody says. I mean, you go ask any coach and they're probably going to tell their kids all all the same thing. And most of the times you hear that in in middle school and high school sports. And then you kind of forget about it because, well, it's just known. And I guess last year, that's not how it was at all, really. And and I think the other thing, too, that you have to remember is you mentioned Will Muschamp at Florida and you mentioned McElwain taking over and and taking over uh, a program like CMU in the Mid-American Conference is a lot different than Florida. Florida, when you're there and you're struggling and a new coach comes in. It's not. It's it's there. There's not a lot of situations where you're gonna have guys saying, "Oh yeah, you know, um, I, I didn't make it at this school. Can I grad transfer here?" You know, I, you see a lot of it where there's guys that are in, you know, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, you name it. And if they're not starters or if they've dealt with injuries, they'll transfer to the smaller program as a as a graduate transfer, and they'll get playing time immediately. And that's what CMU's done on on multiple occasions. Look at Quentin Dormady; he did that. Um, you know, you look on the the offensive line, Oga Udeka, who's going to start at right guard against Albany. He did that at, at Iowa State when he was able to you know come over this way. Um, Shane so, Morris, yeah, Shane Morris was the same way a couple years ago. Like that's that's just how it works. Not often do you have somebody that's struggling at a Pac-12 program or at an SEC program that says, "Hey, knocking on the door of Jim McElwain at Florida. Hey, I want to play for you. I didn't prove anything, but I I, I want to give it a shot." Like that doesn't really happen because you want your guys to be trusted. You're playing SEC football; it's a different game. Coming over to a smaller school, McElwain has the luxury of saying, "Okay, yeah, there are some JUCO kids out there that we can take." That you know, Florida probably isn't going to take and give him the starting job, right? That's just not going to happen. Quentin Dormady's not going to start at Florida. I'm sorry. He's just not. That's that's just, he's just not. Agreed. And he never was. He, he was never going to be able to if he would have tried to transfer there. And I think that's the point is you can kind of load up with guys that were, you know, has-beens or guys that were were injured or people that were supposed to be really good but just kind of didn't ever find their own. And that's, I think, what he's doing with guys like like Dormady and and – Oge Udeku, and there's options there. And I think that also plays true to the backup quarterback and David Moore, bringing him from a JUCO. He wasn't going to ever play at a Big Ten or at an SEC school, so McElwain opened that door. And I think that's what you have to do. I think that's what been, what's been missing for so long, and I think that's what's so different this time around is just the fact that he's able to do that and kind of bring in some of those pieces. And then you look at it and you say, wow, wow, I have a former Tennessee starting quarterback as, as my starter at Central Michigan. I have a former Memphis quarterback and four-star prospect out of high school. That's my backup. And then you're not feeling too bad about yourself, yeah, right? That's pretty good. So I think that's that that's the main difference. And you package that with moving Tony Poljan over to tight end. And I've talked a lot about this. He was recruited to play Big Ten football as a tight end. He didn't want to. He wanted to play quarterback. He came to CMU and tried it out. It didn't work. Maybe that works into McElwain's advantage, right? That it didn't work out at quarterback. Because now if my point being is if Tony Poljan is as good as some of those Big Ten recruiters thought he was going to be, you've got a 6'7", 250-pound tight end who's a Big Ten tight end starting for you. You have Khalil Pimpleton who, I mean, he was at Virginia Tech. Like, he was supposed to be really, really good, and he didn't get as much playing time as he wanted to, wanted to get back home to Michigan, and now he's going to start in the slot. 5'9", 175. He's put on 55 pounds since last season. Excuse me, twenty pounds. But he, he's put on he's put on twenty pounds. He was he was one fifty five, but but now he's one seventy five. He's added some meat. He's got speed. 
got hops too. It just um, seems like the offense is is so much different than where it was at a year ago. Luke Odecki at, at right tackle, he can finally play after sitting out due to transfer rules. I mean, it, Steve Viper, he's healthy. He he's going to be back and ready to roll. I think that's the biggest part of it is is being healthy. Um, I think that partially is what plagued CMU last year was a really really bad injury bug. I mean. You had Jonathan Ward in and out with injury. You had Tommy Lazaro go down with a with with a torn ACL. Right, that is correct, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Just a, like I say, a lot of injuries, and there were more. I think a lot more than than what I'm listing here. But that's that's definitely what hurt them last year is they couldn't get any consistency because they're like, oh crap, uh, this guy's hurt. We're just going to scramble around. Um, and they didn't have a lot of firepower to start with either, though. That's right. the problem, is if you don't have a lot to start with, you're, you're kind of toast. But, I mean, entering into this season, and, and you go down and you look at what they have and the pieces that they brought in, and, and the fact that you have Deron Irving Bay, who's still waiting for NCAA clearance you know, with his waiver and, and trying to get, get eligible to play, hoping that the NCAA lets him, lets him do that, and that's kind of more on the academic side since he went over to a junior college to fix his grades, and, and it, it's kind of... It's kind of a rotating door that has a lot of confusion with it, but it all kind of comes back to the fact that he was academically dismissed, then he left um, and, and went and fixed his grades and then came back, and, and now that's kind of in the hands of the NCAA to say, okay, where, where is he at on that? Does he need to sit out another year because he did that? Is he truly eligible? Did he meet the requirements? Um, because, you know, athletes, they have to meet requirements each year of how they progress. It's academic progression. Um, but there's that situation, and then there's also – um, another situation with safety Brian Edwards, who came over from Florida, and he he kind of came over just before fall camp started. His whole situation was he had an arrest. The charges were charges were dropped. They were thrown out. They they said you know we're not going to investigate this anymore. That happened. He was at Florida. He left. Now he's filing to try to get. Um, now he's filing with the NCAA to try to get cleared. Not sure what the the angle is there. Possibly could be, you know, hey, I had some legal stuff going on, and that that hurt my. You know that hurt me on the depth chart at Florida, so I decided I needed to move on from that. That's a way that he he might be trying to get cleared again. Not sure, but that might be a possible way. Still waiting on those two names. They could come as soon as game day. They could come a week after. They could come halfway through the season. There really isn't like a true answer of, of when that's going to show up. But I mean, if he's a, if he's available, he'll start at cornerback. Even though he's a safety, there they CMU's got too much depth at safety, but. There's other pieces that still could come into play, but with what this team has right now, and, and as you look at the depth chart, what what are the realistic expectations? I know you predicted seven and five. I mean, do you do you? How, I mean, how good do you feel about that seven and five prediction? And I guess how difficult was it to make a prediction like that, knowing that there's so much unknown? I don't I don't think it was difficult for me. Um, I I'm a very offensive minded guy. I look I look at the offense and I look at what it. What the pe- what pieces are there? What the offense can bring to the table? Because I mean, if you can put up fifty points a game, mm-hmm. you've got a pretty good chance to win, whether your defense gives up forty five or not. Yeah, you know. Um, and I don't think the defense will be that bad. It, um, it, it was a pretty good defense last year. Was a good defense, but like I mean, we've talked about it too. You, you lose Mike Dana to Michigan as a transfer, as a guy that was ready to move up and and really take on take on a new opportunity. And honestly, have a chance to start at Michigan. The thought is that he, he he's going to start. That's that's kind of the thought there. That's how yeah. good he was, Chippewa fans. Um, but <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, you, you look at that and you have question marks at the defensive end position with Mitch Danizak gone. 
Um, Nathan Briston fast isn't there anymore to, to help anchor that front line at the linebacker position. You really lost every one of your starters. And yeah, Michael Oliver kind of rotated in there with Trevor Apsey, but you lose Apsey, you lose Alex Briones, and you lose Malik Fountain. So those guys are gone off the, uh, off the linebacker room. And then you go to the safety position, and that's the only place where it kind of remains sane, right? That's where, that's where we're all good because you, you take a look at having Devonnie Reed starting at, at one side and then Daquan Jamison on the other side, and then the backups are Gage Kresge and Alonzo McCoy. That's the same way as it was last year. No difference, but the cornerback position is the big one too because you had two NFL corners starting last and, year. That's what you had. And, and, and high picks too. And high picks, yeah, specifically bunting going second round. Um you know, and then Xavier Crawford going a little bit later in the sixth round, but guys that are still with their teams now, right. I mean, guys that are making an impact, they're proving themselves. That's how good they were. And now you have to figure out how to play, replace that. And Brandon Brown and Darius Bracey are the two guys that we're going to see. Um, but on the depth chart, you'll notice it says, or for both of those positions, meaning there is no truly defined starter. Now I'll, I'll say we're probably going to see Brandon Brown and Darius Bracey out there first, but basically what that's saying is it's going to be shared time and, Deshaun McNary, a JUCO transfer, and then Norman Anderson, a sophomore, they're gonna get they're gonna get serious reps in there. But yeah, I mean, defense is a little bit different. But like I said, I think the offense is is so much different. But it's like, all right, what what are we really gonna get? Like, how good can Quentin Dormady really be? Yeah, it's six four, pocket passer, big body, mature. That's the biggest one right there is the maturity. I think because. Having a mature leader breeds maturity for the rest of the team. And I, I think I think having having Dormity as as the leader of this team, whether he's named a captain or not, I know McElwain said that they're, they're not doing of, captains right, or rotating. Rotating or, captain, something like that. Which, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, no I have no idea what, what that could mean. Um but anyway, I think I think Dormady is going to be really, really a huge asset for this offense. And I think, and at media day, he said something um, that he's a pocket passer, but he can move around if he has to because mm-hmm. you have to in this in today's game. That's I think almost exactly word for word what he said. But his ability to, to stay in the pocket and sling the ball around the field is going to be huge for CMU. And I think and him moving around, he, he might be able to go take off pick up a few yards every now and again, um, that'll be huge. Yeah, I talked to former Tennessee offensive coordinator Mike DeBoard and, and wrote a, a story about it, um, kind of surrounding Quentin Dormady because he came from Tennessee. Mike DeBoard, as most of us know, was a Central Michigan coach at one time. But nonetheless, he compared him to three guys, Tom Brady, Brian Greasy, and Drew Henson. Tom Brady. I know. Now, 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 the thing is, though, I mean, it's. I asked him about his style of play. I not. I didn't ask him. You know, compare him in terms of how good is he. But it's kind of all the same, right? You know, none of those three guys fully shined until their final year. Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady that we know now when he was at Michigan. I mean, he was he was a guy that was in a dogfight to get time, and he proved himself, and that's why he was such a late pick. I mean, he didn't shine until senior year, and that's kind of what. You know, DeBoard was telling me was, listen, I can keep going down the list and look at different guys that I've coached where things always didn't go their way, but they made their last year the best. And he said, that's exactly what Quentin's going to do here at CMU is make his last year his very best. And who better do it with than Jim McElwain? And I and I'm not and I'm not here 
trying to to bear hug McIlwain or anything like that. I mean, trust me, the guy screwed up at Florida. There was some stuff that went wrong there. There was some problems at the end. Don't get me wrong, okay? Right. Like, there were some things that happened that clearly shouldn't have happened, and he lost his job because of it, and that's blatant, okay? But the point being is he's he is an offensive-minded guy. He is someone that wants to throw the ball around. He does want to put points on the scoreboard. He wants to put fans in the seats. Exactly. He wants to develop his quarterback. And those are all good signs when you're looking at it from a standpoint of Quentin Dormady coming in here from Houston after a year of sitting behind Derek King. And he needs someone to lead him. He needs he need he needs someone to captain the ship, and he's gonna be the first mate on that ship right next to him. And that's what McElwain is to him. And I think it's a perfect fit. Um like I said, again, not saying McElwain's a perfect coach or he's done everything right in his career, but just saying I think the fit is right. They both know what the SEC is like. They were there. They played against each other. McElwain, McElwain knew about Dormady way back when he was at Colorado State. He, he was starting to look at, at, at Dormady when he was younger and in high school. They know each other, and they know, they know how they work and all that kind of stuff. I don't see why it's a bad fit. I think it'll be good, but I guess only time will tell, right? Isn't that how it kind of works? Right, yeah, and, and I, I think, well, in terms of time, I think we're going to start to see that pretty quickly. I mean, we've already... We've already gotten to kind of see it in practice a little bit, um, but I think the rest of the uh, CMU or the CMU fan base is going to get to see that connection between quarterback and coach, which I think is arguably the most important connection um, on a football team. Again, arguably, but we'll start to see that connection on Thursday night in Kelly Shorts uh, against the Great Danes. Looking at you know, just some of the other skill positions. I mean, we talked about Khalil Pimpleton a little bit, but guys that are emerging at wide receiver, Tyrone Scott is a big one. He's going to be a name that he's a name that people have been talking about and they're excited about what he's going to be able to do. They think he's going to have a really big year. Um, Keontra Nixon is another guy in the mix. Bailey Edwards is also in there. Drayton Law, another one. Cam Cole, those are kind of um, your guys hanging in the background. Ja'Cory Sullivan, well, he's not going to play against Albany due to the fight against Toledo that, he was ejected from, and he was ejected in the second half, so it caused him to be basically, you, I mean, you have to miss the whole game. So the point is, if you're ejected in the first half, you miss the second half of the current game, and then you miss the first half of the next game, and then you can play in the second half of, of that game, right? But with his situation, he was ejected in the second half, so he has to miss one full, two full halves, essentially. So he has to miss all of all the game against Albany, but he's going to be the number two receiver um, in the mix. Essentially, it'll be Pimpleton, and it'll be Tyrone Scott, and then obviously Ja'Cory Sullivan. Those are going to be your three guys to look for. And, and I think the biggest question, though, and you wrote about it, was Jonathan Ward. Man, I remember I was standing and watching practice last fall when Bono was still here, and they were you know before the 1-11 season, and, and Jim Costa, who does a radio show for ESPN out in, out in Grand Rapids. Um, oh, yeah. He was sitting there, and we were kind of just looking at each other and, and talking, and you know whatever we were, we were just going back and forth, right, about his CMU days, what it's like, what it was like for me to to be on campus again, and all that kind of stuff. And he looks at me and he says, "Man, if he has another really really good year, and then a good year after that, I mean, he he could get drafted. Like he's he's good enough with he's good enough in space that he could he could get selected." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I mean, the dude almost went for for fifteen hundred yards all purpose." You know, the in 2017, ago. yeah. So 2018, we were thinking, all right, if he has a really good year and then can just do all right his senior year, you're looking at a chance. But obviously it wasn't like that. 
one rushing touchdown last year. How does this guy return, Austin? Well, when he told us, he, he never left. Yeah, so he said he never left, he, but he, yeah. I didn't see a lot of him, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, again, it goes back to injuries. I mean, he, he was hurt. There's, and, there, I mean, there's there's really nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think we're seeing a, a revamped Jonathan Ward this year. Again, like he, like he said, he never left. We would argue differently, like you said, but I get no, but I get his point. He never left saying I never like checked out of the team. I was I was never I kind of get what he's saying. I never left, I but the too. performance wasn't there. The performance left. Maybe he was there, but right. like the numbers weren't there. Right. That's kind of the point. So I right. guess how he does he get back to those numbers? Just being willing to take take as many touches as he can. Yeah. I mean, obviously as a running back staying he, healthy. Yes, and staying healthy. And if you do get hurt, because, I mean, injuries happen in football all the time, doing what you can and following the trainer's, like, plans to, to get you back onto the field and, and making that effort to stay on the field and get yourself back onto the field if you do get hurt. Um, it's all about space, I think. It really is. It's all about giving him giving him room to work in space. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's going to come passing, you know, out of the backfield, giving him opportunities to catch the ball. We've seen that a lot in practice too is is he we saw it a lot in 2017. We did, and that's that's what did you say 1500 yard auto purpose yards? Just under that. Yeah. yeah. Just I mean, I think we're talking like 6 yards under yeah, that. Yeah. And and on our a third of those come comes from the passing game. Yeah. I mean, he ran for, I think in total he ran for 1019 yards. Yeah, that would that that he, would make he sense. He rushed for, and then he he caught, however however many. But you got to give him room and space, and I think exactly. that's kind of what what they are going to bring in. You know, Tony Poljan's going to be able to help out with that. He's going to give him, you know, he's going to give him a little bit more of an opportunity to breathe. I think guys like Bernard Raymond, you know, those two at the tight end position are going to give Ward a chance to kind of trust what he's got blocking for him, trust what's in front, trust other options. I mean, they have options this year of guys that they can throw the ball to. I think that's only going to help. It's only going to help him out. I think so too, and I, and and not putting all the pressure on him, mm-hmm. him solely. Because I mean, you kind of talked about it, but it's a very deep running back room this year. I mean, it, it, very deep. So, if you know, if he feels like there might be too much pressure on on him alone, there there shouldn't be because there's at least four running backs off the top top of my head that are fantastic. The wide receivers are going to be good. But that tight end room, I think, is going to be sneaky for a lot of people because mm-hmm. they're going to be like, oh, it's the tight ends. Tight ends aren't really used that much in the college game anymore. And especially with the like the RPO spread kind of scheme that that the Chippewas are going to run this year. You don't really use tight ends a whole ton, but I think they're going to utilize Raymond and Poljan Specifically. And even Joel Wilson, I think too. They yeah. they could. I mean, McElwain's alluded to that using three tight ends in certain packages. But anyway, we kind of gave a rundown of you know what what to expect out of the season. Um, let's just touch on Albany real quick. What what's there really to expect? You have redshirt freshman quarterback Jeff Undercuffler. What a great name under by center. The way. I know he's six five two thirty one. I mean, he's a big boy standing at at, at QB six five two thirty one but maybe he should be called maybe we should call him overcluffer <laughs> yeah maybe but but no I mean and then you got wide receivers um you've got options at, at, at the wide receiver position you've got two seniors in Jariah Reeves and Jawan Green and then in your slot position standing at five eight one sixty six you got Dev Holmes 
So they've got a couple receivers that bring some experience to the table. At running back, they've got a sophomore in Carl Mofer and Alex James. He's a redshirt junior. So, again, guys that have a little bit of experience, at least enough in practice, um, that's kind of what their offense looks like. And what, what's there really to expect from Albany coming out in this one? Not a very good football team. If well, I'm look, be- what they, look what happened last year. I mean, they, they got bounced by Maine, and that was the only and, team CMU beat. I right, mean, yeah. And, I mean, that – and. And Maine really got out out outplayed in that game, oh, which yeah. which we couldn't we can't say very often about last year's team is they I mean Maine Maine definitely got outplayed in that game and then went and what was it they scored five points right seventeen seventeen five five, five points that's I, I understand safeties I get how the scoring works in football but man five, that's just I know random. It, it made me laugh when I'm watching the game I'm like five really that, oh my gosh kind of a field goal or something come on now. It's kind of um, sad too that they only won seventeen five. I know, but but no, I mean, yeah, I I just don't think that Albany has the power to no. to really take on a team like CMU, and and they did it a couple years ago. I mean, okay, I understand that you know what, just in twenty sixteen they beat Buffalo twenty two sixteen on the road, but I just don't see it happening here. Not this time. Not with all this new energy. Not with this new offense. No. It's it's just. And I, and I almost feel like, in a way, I wouldn't be shocked if Jim McElwain kind of just threw everything out the door in terms of ethics and just blew the doors off of them. I could like see. If, if, and, I, and I think that if, it, if they can put two, three touchdowns on the board early and they've really got a grasp on the game, and we've seen it sometimes when it doesn't happen. Sometimes you play down to your competition. But CMU is just they're so low after what happened last year that if they can score a couple quick touchdowns, Dude, I think McElwain might just honestly blow the doors off of him just to say, hey, look at us. Yeah, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Mac is back. That's what he's saying. That I think I agree. If, if they can <laughs> – you're shaking your head at me. If, if, they can, if they can put up a couple of quick touchdowns, like you said, maybe a defensive score in there, throw a defensive score in there, and you're really going to see – um, yeah, let me just call Jim McElwain and tell him what we got planned for his for his team tonight. It, it, we'll, oh we'll, yeah, we'll just call him up. But yeah. no, I get what, I know I, <laughs> I get what you mean in a way, and I think that's that's going to be important. You got to make a statement. I don't care who it's against. It's week one, and I understand if you're a team that's coming off a seven, eight, nine, ten win season and you struggle out of the gate against an FCS team. It happens all the time. It sure does. But just as low as CMU was, there is no time to struggle because if they struggle. They're not going to hear. They're not going to hear the end of it. Because they're not going to hear the end of it until potentially week three when they play Akron, because you know that they're not going to beat Wisconsin. Um, I know. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> but my point being is that they really have to come out and make a statement. There isn't time to to mess around. There's no time to think. Yeah, we'll get them in the third quarter. We'll get them in the fourth or whatever. Yeah, we'll finish it out. They've got to go in here and they they've got to throw it around. But we'll see. It's what. Gotta- it's got to be fast, quick, and in a hurry with that with that mm-hmm. ma- that matchup in Madison looming. I know, dude. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. They they got to come out of the gates quickly if they if they have to score on their first drive and maybe force Albany to um, force a turnover on Albany's first drive. Yeah. How, however, that works out. But CMU needs to score at le- I think at least twice in the first quarter. Before we wrap it up and kind of give our score predictions, I've got one more question for you. All right. What's the first play Jim McElwain is going to run in his CMU CMU tenure? Well, that's a good question. Is it going to be – and I don't need like an actual – like a 
exact I don't need you to tell me the specifics, but I mean, are we looking at like a short, medium, or long pass? Are we looking at a running play? Which way? Up the middle, to the right, or to the left? That's kind of what I'm looking for. Just a basic guess. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two guesses: one passing, one rushing. Just... You can't do that. Just pick one. No, no. I need. Okay, fine. You can only pick one. That's fair. I, all right, fine. I'm going a little long bomb. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna look, give that read option look. Dormady's gonna pull it back and he's gonna hit Pimpleton. Left side, huge score. Get the fans, whoever might be there, get the fans just, oh, my gosh. Just just get them going crazy. Get the fans going crazy. Get the band playing again quickly. Yeah, I'm going to go. Long pass play All right, side. I get it. I get it. I'm going to go Jonathan Ward, run to the right, tackle for a loss of two. Um, <laughs> but then a long bomb. But then a long bomb. <laughs> but, uh, oh, one more quick question. Prediction. Does Tony Poljan throw a pass this year? If so, how many? I'm going to say yes. He's going to throw two of them, and it's going to be kind of like a Philly special kind of look. Okay. Not really the Philly special, obviously, but uh, no, I think two? it will be the Philly special. You know what? He's going to throw two. Two Philly special plays. <laughs> one of them's going to be an incomplete. One of them's going to be a darn near interception, but it's going to end up falling into the hands of whoever it might be. May it be, may it be Ward or Dormady. And... Uh, I think that's that's how it goes. How do you what do you think? I don't know. I give him like three or four. I don't think that's bad. I like right. it. Yeah. I like using him to pass. I mean he can I mean he still can throw the ball. Right. I'm not gonna say he's a good quarterback, but he can throw it better than I can, that's for sure. No, that's but, that's absolutely true. Um any other prediction type of funny stuff you got or we about cover it? I think we just about covered it. I think I think the CMU defense earns four interceptions okay. against Albany. Four interceptions against Albany? Yeah. Man, you have got high hopes. I I really do. I really do. I think I think I think it's just a, a combination of a I don't want to say bad quarterback but a untested quarterback. I love that you're on the record right now. Oh, I know. But I, I guess it could bode well for you if you're right. But all right, anyway. Um no, give me give me your season prediction. Um overall record and conference obviously and then score prediction against Albany. I'm gonna stick to stick to my guns uh, as as we printed uh, seven and five overall four and four in the conference, and I'm gonna go with a 34-7 CMU victory on Thursday night, for sure. And I'm gonna rock with six and six overall. I I just think really when it comes down to it, it's a new year. It's a rebuilding opportunity. Do I think they could win eight games? Yeah. Do I think they could win three games? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see which one. But in terms of, but in what? That's the best part. We don't know. No one knows. But for Albany, I'm going to go 31 to 10. 31 10 CMU. All right. All right. I like it. I do too. Knocking down a field goal on on each side of my prediction, though. Well, you guys know where to find us. It'll be cm-life.com online for all of our stories. And you know, the news racks, they're always filled with papers. So go ahead and pick them up and check out our stuff. And you can follow us for all CMU football and other sports as well. Um, Austin's Twitter handle is at achastain1535. Mine is at Evan Petzold. A little bit easier, I know. But but you can also follow us um, on Twitter at CMLife and at CMLifeSports. So we'll be able to bring you guys content from, from those, those accounts all season long. But stick with us, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Thanks.